0: Welcome to the What Matters Most podcast, presented by First United Bank & Trust. That's my bank. Visit us today at mybank.com. Hello and welcome to What Matters Most, a podcast all about finances, community, savings, and security for you, your family, and your business. This podcast is brought to you by the helpful folks at MyBank, First United Bank & Trust. I'm your host, Eric Nutter, and in today's episode, What Matters Most is our monthly economic update. And for this discussion, I am thankful thankful to be joined once again remotely today by Megan Kinsinger, portfolio manager in First United's wealth management department. Good morning, Megan. How are you today?
1: Great, Eric. How are you doing?
0: Doing very well, and I appreciate you joining me as always to give us a an update as to the economic and market review. Uh, so, for November, Megan, what are we looking at? What's going on? Um,
1: well, (laughs) I assume we're going
0: to, I'm assume we're going to start with some negatives.
1: We, we are, unfortunately. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah, there's been a, (laughs) there's been a lot of noise I'm Mm -hmm, sure you've been mm -hmm. hearing. Yeah. So, um, you know, kind of the forefront of everyone's mind are these rate hikes, right? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to, trying to combat inflation. Um, so most recently last week, the fed, the fed met and did decide to hike rates by another 75 basis points. Um, which took the Fed target rates um, to a range of, of 375 and 4%. And really what we gathered from that is Fed Chairman Jerome Powell doubled down kind of on the bank's hawkish stance, claiming that um, it's very premature to be talking about pausing rate hikes, so we can anticipate more rate hikes. Um, and it, it, his tone did lean toward a, toward a slowdown in the pace of hikes, so maybe looking more at like a 50-point um, rate hike in December, but he also indicated a higher uh, and, and for longer peak rate than previously anticipated. So market expectations move that terminal rate up to 5.1% in the first half of next year, which does suggest an additional 325 point rate hikes early next year following that 50 point hike um, that's anticipated in December.
0: So Megan, r- explain for our listeners, what is the, the the Fed raised the terminal rate? What is the terminal rate?
1: So terminal rate is kind of like that anticipated rate of rate hikes ending.
0: Oh, okay. So um, like the the highest it's going to get.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so
0: yeah. you're expecting that to be
1: five markets have kind of moved those expectations up to 5.1%. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: All right. Yeah, so so. <laughs> that's, and they're expecting that to to hit that, hit that spot sometime next, next year.
1: year. Yeah. Early next year. So again, looking at that 50 point hike in December with an additional, an additional 25 point, three, uh, additional 25 point hikes early next year.
0: Gotcha. So, um, so so instead of doing big jumps, like the 75 basis points, you're, they're expecting smaller hikes to get yeah, to the final rate.
1: And we've, yeah, and we've kind of been anticipating that, um, anyway, um, kind of not those large jumps like we saw here in November, that 75 point point hike, we did anticipate those to slow down. Um, but we're just anticipating one more than what we previously were thinking. Gotcha. So, so three 25-point rate hikes early next year is kind of what the market's pricing in at this point in time. Okay. Um, and, and so with the Fed really remaining in this tightening mode and his, his tone still being very hawkish, uh, we do expect the market that will remain very, very, very uh, data-dependent on inflation and the labor market. Um, and a Fed pivot to pause those rate hikes still appears to be a long way off. Uh, we really need to see that inflation slowing and that labor market tightness to begin to ease. Um, so, looking at some other indicators, you know, we we talk about that manufacturing index every every month. It did register fifty point two percent in October, um, still above that uh, that fifty percent threshold that we that we look for. So, it is still within growth territory. But it is the lowest level it's been since May of 2020. Yeah. New orders, backlog of orders, and export orders were all in contraction territory, so below that 50% threshold. Um, and really, manufacturing has been slowing recently, which uh, has been led by softening business spending and fading demand for those consumer goods. Most economists that are polled do feel that it's inevitable that the the manufacturing index is going to slip below that 50% threshold. Um, And, you know, looking at some of the panelists that that feed into this, they continue to express unease about the softening economy as many are seeing reduced demand, higher inventories and canceling orders, uh, order cancellations. So, yeah. So little softening there in the manufacturing index, which, again, is the smaller side of our economy um, compared to that services side. um, But it still does play a key role. Um, Hmm.
0: So spoiler alert, you're not mentioning the services index
1: i am not That's spoiler good. alert <laughs> <laughs> All right. we'll save that for later on Excellent. Uh, <laughs> um, another indicator of course is that core cpi inflation um so core cpi is cpi excluding those volatile energy and food prices um but it still did hit a 40-year high of 6.6 percent in september uh this morning actually at 8 30 they did release October's, and it did ease slightly to 6.3% in October um, as underlying price increases slowed. So investors and policymakers watch core readings closely. So those, you know, excluding energy and food prices as a reflection of broad price pressures and as a predictor of future inflation. Um, And really what's contributing to this course, this elevated core CPI, elevated wages, they're sticky, Shelter costs are sustainable at record highs into next year. And we do expect energy costs to surge again in coming months, um, you know, as we're going into the winter period here mm-hmm. in both the U.S. and Europe. Um, the October inflation port report could keep the Fed officials on track to approve just that half percentage point rate rate hike next month and to maybe pencil in slightly higher rates next year than they had anticipated previously. So exactly what we just talked about. Um, so, you know, the, another, another thing that's been in the headlines is that U S trade deficit. Mm -hmm. Um, it did reverse its course back in September. It widened 7.6 billion. Um, and, and it's important to keep in mind that this has really been contributed, you know, stemming from the dollar. Um, it has appreciated strongly this year and had a notable rally in September in part due to market turbulence in countries like the uk so you know even though uh, we have a strong dollar if you're thinking about traveling internationally this might be the best time Mm. Um, (laughs) you know but but a strong dollar does make imports relatively cheaper for us while lifting the cost of us goods for international consumers so obviously if our goods are more expensive they're going to import less of those which is in turn hurting our exporters Um, this suggests that Q3's outsized contribution uh, to GDP from trade is unlikely to carry over into, into this fourth quarter as that strong dollar and slowing uh, overseas economies kneecap export opportunities. Um, so we do we do feel that that will have a negative impact on, on GDP growth going into Q4. Um, something else kind of re- related to those those rate hikes, right? Mortgage rates. Um,
0: They're probably higher.
1: <laughs> let's yeah, let's talk about those new home sales. They did fall again in September, and they have plunged 27% year-to-date. Hmm. Pending sales also fell more than expected, and are down 31% year-over-year. Um, and last week, purchase applications hit a seven-year low as the 30-year mortgage rate topped a 21-year high of 7%. Um, housing struggles drove um, the third quarter's 4.9 percent annualized drop in private fixed income, which is the biggest detractor to real GDP during the quarter. All right. So that wraps up negatives right now. We get to go on to the good stuff. Okay. Uh, (laughs) so looking at positives, um, you know that we talked about it previously, that jobs markets a double edged sword, right? So, you know, in, in one sense, we want to have a strong, strong labor market, um, but also it's contributing to that elevated inflation. Right. Um, but we're still viewing it as positive. You know, the U.S. did add 261,000 jobs in October, which was above the expectation of 200,000 new jobs. Um, the unemployment rate did tick up to 3.7 percent. That's really attributed to um, some people losing some jobs and the size of the labor force shrank um, from 62.3 percent to 62.2 um, percent. So those those could be signs of a chink in a heavy heavily armored labor market, um, but really that, again, that central bank wants to see more chinks in the labor market. Mm -hmm. Um, Powell said last week um, it's out of balance because there's too many job openings and too few people to fill them. And Fed officials worry that the labor shortage is driving up wages, which is making it harder for them to reduce inflation back to the pre-crisis levels of 2% or so. Okay. Um, kind of expanding on on the job market, the initial weekly jobless claims jumped by three thousand to two hundred and seventeen thousand um, in the week ending October 2nd, sig- signaling that the labor market is still historically tight and does show little signs of slackening. So again, just a very tight labor market. There's still almost two jobs per person um, that are that are out there searching uh, available. Um, the number of people already collecting unemployment benefits, did rise um, by 47,000 to 1.485 million. Um, And and really what we're seeing is that the U.S. labor market overall has been largely unscathed, uh, despite this softening economy and the the odds of of recession rising. The Federal Reserve is raising rates, again, to kind of squelch that higher inflation, um, which is a strategy bound to slow economic growth. Um, You know, hiring has declined since early in the year. However, layoffs are are likely to climb to begin climbing if the economy continues to slow. All right. Now, that highly anticipated ISM service indices <laughs> that you were talking about, yeah. it, does, it does remain on the positive side. Excellent. Um, yeah. So it did. And again, um, services being the larger side of our economy, about 70 percent. Um, it did maintain expansion expansion territory in the month of October um, it did fall slightly to 54.4%, um, but still well in that, well above that 50% growth range. Um, business activity, new orders, and backlog of orders, they all fell slightly, but again, remained well within that expansion territory. And th- the data is really signaling that the services sector is holding up better than that manufacturing sector. And based on comments from those respondents that, that feed into this, growth rates and business levels have cooled There are still some challenges in hiring qualified workers and due to uncertainty regarding economic conditions, some companies are holding off on backfilling open positions. Hmm. Um, And, you know, something that's been kind of a theme for both manufacturing and service, that supply chain and logistical issues, right? They're still persisting, but they're not as hindering as as they were earlier on in the year. Gotcha. Yeah, and then uh, I guess to wrap up the positives is really just looking at those S&P companies. Um, As of last week, uh, 428 of the companies had reported their third quarter earnings for this year. And that earnings growth um, came in at 4.3%. And over 70% of them have earnings above analyst expectations. And that compares to a long-term average of 66.2%. So, you know, earnings looking good, low, you know, Lower digit, but um, but still growing, and um, revenue for the third quarter is currently growing by eleven percent. So good things coming out of there as well.
0: Excellent. So Megan, uh, you didn't mention in either the negatives or positives about the midterm elections um, that you know those just occurred this past uh, month yeah. or Tuesday. What mm-hmm. um, what what do we normally see from midterm elections? Do we see the markets? move positively negatively like how did they normally
1: react to right it it depends right um you know i think the market is kind of anticipating you know if you look at um the data and everything it's it's likely going to be um the republicans will take over the the house more than likely um and they have potential to also take over the senate um but you know the the democrats could retain um majority there. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll find out in a month or so. Um, (laughs) But, but, you know, we are anticipating to have um, a split. Um, You know, you're going to have a Democratic president with a Republican-controlled House. um, And markets like that. Markets like gridlock. Mm -hmm. Um, Nothing big can happen, right? No big changes. Um, So, and and generally after midterm elections, looking back at the data, markets over the next 12 months are likely to outperform with some elevated volatility. So, you know, that volatility will persist, but historically um, markets will, will grind higher.
0: Hmm. Okay. So
1: we'll keep our fingers crossed, right. That that holds true.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. So, so what conclusions do you have for us for the month of November?
1: Yeah, sure. So, you know, um, looking back into into October, leading into November, um, it's October is known for being a crazy month, um, and at least um, it was a short-term bear killer. So the month started out great, and then some major indices fell off and declined to new bar- bear market lows. Um, but they had a ma- an amazing reversal uh, mid-month, and they've been grinding nicely higher ever since. And while it's a start, we are a long way from saying that we're out of the bear. Um, and despite the calendar's turn toward, you know, colder weather, um, you know, we we are not ready to put that bear fully into hibernation. Hmm. Um, our underlying view remains that inflation should moderate over the next year, which will ease strains on that monetary policy, so those rate hikes, um, ease, easing strains on bond yields and equi- equity valuations. Um, however, the timeline for this improvement you know, that's the million-dollar question, right? It remains very uncertain in the shorter term. And that volatility in the economic data is likely to correspond with volatile markets. Um, so all we can do is kind of uh, minimize that volatility as best, as best we can. So given our expectation that this bear market is likely in its later stages, but maybe not totally over, um, you know, volatility is certainly going to persist. We do believe it's important to maintain balance in portfolios. Um, which is exactly what we're doing—managing risk while also keeping an eye on the on the longer-term opportunity.
0: Excellent. So, can you review uh, for our listeners the current strategies you all are implementing uh, in regard to what you're seeing in the markets right now?
1: Yeah. So, actually, we just made some just made some changes here um, with that that small rally that we saw. We did um, pull slightly underweight. Uh, equities here. So we pulled back on equities a little bit bringing that just below neutral, um, neutral fixed income and modestly overweight cash, right? Again, looking for those opportunities that that may present present themselves uh, here over the next um, coming months. So we want a little dry powder to be able to take advantage of those. Um, And again, pulling back on some of those equities and, and, and taking some of those gains that we got there in October.
0: Gotcha. Excellent. Megan Kinsinger, portfolio manager in First United's wealth management department. Thank you so much for joining us today, as always, and, and giving us such helpful insights, Megan. If if any of our listeners have a question or want to learn more, what's the best way they can get the support they need?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I uh, just go to www.mybank.com, go to the wealth management tab. Uh, feel free to reach out to any one of us. Give us a call, and we'll get you set up with the the account officer closest to you.
0: Excellent, Megan. Thank you so much. Have a great day.
1: Thank you. You too.
0: That brings us to the end of our show. You can always find more episodes by visiting mybank.com slash podcast or find us on your favorite podcast app. You can also leave feedback, ask questions or request a topic for us to discuss by sending an email to podcast at mybank.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next time with more helpful content. But until then, we wish you the best in focusing on what matters most to you.
1: First United, my bank for life. This document is a general communication being provided for informational purposes only. It is educational in nature and not designed to be taken as advice or a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, feature, or other purpose in any jurisdiction, nor is it a commitment from First United Bank and Trust or any of its subsidiaries to participate in any of the transactions mentioned herein. Any examples are generic, hypothetical, and for illustration purposes only. This material does not contain sufficient information to support an investment decision and should not be relied upon in evaluating the merits of investing in any securities or products. Independent assessment of the legal, regulatory, credit, and accounting implications and determine together with their own professional advisors if any investment mentioned herein is believed to be suitable to their personal goals. Investors should ensure that they obtain all available relevant information before making any investment. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, or investment techniques and strategies set out are for information purposes only based on certain assumptions and current market conditions Both past performance and yields are not reliable indicators of current and future results.